Good evening all to the 64th session of the weekly huddle. My name is Anup Agrawal and joining me today is my friend and co-host Praneet. We are cardiologists working at Care Hospital. <clears throat> the huddle is an unscripted audience level interaction addressing common clinical scenarios that we encounter in our daily clinical practice. We try to talk uh, patient care entities which are very basic, which are relevant to our daily practice. At times we pick up simple topics and at times we pick up a little bit more focused uh, discussion. The topic for today that we have chosen is as simple as it can get in terms of uh, any combined discussion. And I will come to that uh, in a second. The basic premise of the huddle is to bring our casual discussion to a more organized platform where we can share our ideas. And I hope after today's discussion, I will be able to compile these ideas and maybe put it in a booklet form that can be distributed to patients for their knowledge. As you all know, the huddle is not a speaker and audience model rather than a casual interaction, which means any of the attendees can raise their hand or unmute themselves to keep their input. As a courtesy, you should wait for others to finish their thoughts before you unmute yourself. You can also raise your hand and I will call for your name if that is what you please. Having said that, let me start with today's case. <clears throat> Excuse me for my throat today. Uh, and uh, I will ask my uh, colleague uh, Praneet to give his, give his opinion first, and then we will go down the list of our attendees for their opinion on today's discussion as well. <clears throat> So this is a routine case, a 52-year-old female. She had been known hypertensive for almost six, seven years now. She came to me for the first time, pretty much just as a routine checkup, nothing really fancy. She takes a combo tablet, which includes uh, an ARB and a diuretic, <clears throat> that is telmisartan and hydrochlorothiazide. She complains of paroxysmal headache which had been going on for quite some time. It has been seen by a neurologist. He had underwent a few investigations, including scanning, and uh, it was all termed as essential headache. She doesn't take any medications for that. She also has got baseline dyspnea on exertion, which does not interfere with her daily activity. She attributes it to her aging. <clears throat> uh, in today's visit, she did not complain of any medical prop problem. She's a housewife, but she also does home tuition to nursery kids, which lately she have not, not been doing because of COVID. She's able to do her routine activities without any problems. Her dietary regulation is reasonable. She's not very focused on salt restriction, but she says she's, she tries to do her best. She was last seen by a doctor more than a year ago, for which I don't have any details. She reports compliance with the medicine that, that is prescribed to her. In her OPD visit, her blood pressure was significantly elevated of the range of 180 over 110. I'm simplifying the numbers. That's kind of the average of what we took. Her heart rate was 84. We asked her to relax for some time for about 15, 20 minutes, and then we rechecked her blood pressure, and that was more or less the same as well. The rest of the physical examination was unremarkable. Her routine laboratory assessment was also normal. So 
The idea for this patient with uncontrolled hypertension was to adjust her antihypertensive medication, which was done. And uh, I suggested some lifestyle modifications, which uh, can also help to reduce her blood pressure. The point I want to discuss today is, should this patient be advised for self-monitoring blood pressure at home using a digital um, sphingomanometer? Should SMBP be standard for every patient with hypertension? Why only this patient? Should it be a mandatory thing for every patient with a diagnosis of hypertension? Are there any pros? Are there any cons towards prescribing versus not prescribing? How aggressive should we go to tell patients that you should get your blood pressure monitored by yourself at home? And then if we do think that SMBP is a good idea, what are the tips and tricks that we tell our patients so that the monitoring that they do at home is reported accurate and predictable? Uh, do you guys have any preference towards any machine, any make, any model, any, any particular brand, any particular design? And why do you think so? Why do you think that's a particular, that's an that's a important machine for, for people to buy? And then lastly, if we have time, we should also discuss the whole a gamut of self-monitoring health gadgets. These days, almost every single person has got a pulse oximeter at home. Some of them also has rhythm analysis monitoring in the form of uh, Apple Watch or in the form of Samsung Watch or Cardia or LiveCore, or there are multiple. Uh, is it in prime time now? Are we in a situation where we have very good health gadgets with us which can help patients improve their overall health status? Or is it still in infancy? Does the health gadget need to improve more? Or does our baseline education itself need to improve more? That will be our last uh, question for discussion. Once we go through the self-monitoring blood pressure discussion, if we have time, we will also touch upon some of the health gadgets which uh, may be relevant into today's discussion. So Praneet, you got the discussion point. I'll have you get started with what you think and then we will ask our attendees for their opinion. Thank you. Yeah, good evening, Anup and everyone. Uh, this patient who has an uncontrolled blood pressure, uh, before uh, uh, you make a decision on uh, modifying the treatment, which most likely she will need, I would like to first confirm whether this is uh, true hypertension or is it like a white coat hypertension. Uh, Use you already did check the blood pressure twice after giving some time, but still it is high. But the possibility still uh, needs to be considered, and I would uh, like to revisit. So, for in this patient, I would be uh, tempted to suggest her to take a home monitoring of blood pressure and uh, doubly confirm be definitely sure that her hypertension is elevated. And now if the patient already has a blood pressure machine, that is good. Or I would definitely encourage this patient to take a uh, BP, measure, BP uh, measurement and uh, do a record of these things. And uh, the logbook that we prepared, I would like to give one of the logbook of BP to the patient and keep a record of the BP for a month or so, or at least a week and come back with that uh, logbook and see the trend of the blood pressure uh, readings and then make a decision on the change of therapy. And now having given the logbook, the things which I would um, educate the patient is to how to check the blood pressure and um, how to make a recordings. 
so one uh, i would again try to show them the picture which i have it stored in my uh, system about uh, the position of the uh, patient while recording the blood pressure um, feet being on the ground back supported hand uh, resting comfortably on a table or preferably lying down and uh, no tea coffee no talking between no, the measurements all those things so show that picture and try to educate them how the blood pressure readings are supposed to be taken i also tell them to take the three readings um first reading to be discarded or forgotten and uh, take second and third readings with a gap of at least a minute between each and every reading and uh, if patients are reasonably educated enough i would try to ask them to make an average of the second and third reading or else simply wrote down the second and third reading which you have measured and put it down and i will try to uh, do the math for them these readings or measurements to be taken uh, as frequently as possible again uh, if the patient is compliant i would ask them to make at least one measurement a day uh, for this patient whom at least uh, because i have uh, noticed a high blood pressure reading i would encourage her to take at least one reading a day uh in several occasions something like in the morning something in the afternoon night time etc again uh, paying attention to all the do's and don'ts on uh, how to accurately measure a bp recording and then note it down and um, uh, ask them to come back uh, uh, to review with the record and based on the readings make a decision on modifying the uh, treatment uh, once i definitely confirm that it is a true hypertension that the patient is having uh this is the question regarding uh, the blood pressure thing that i do uh the other questions that you asked anup were uh, can you can you tell me again yes pranit so the other questions were should we be advising um self monitoring blood pressure to every patient or should we select a few patients are there any negative aspects to it to it and is there any particular machine model make anything that you prefer right so regarding um, advising for everyone uh, may not be everyone most of the patients are uh, uh, quite uh, regular to their visits and most of them are pretty much Uh, well controlled and uh, they are compliant and they do not have these fluctuations for them i do not uh, strongly recommend for those whom there is this issue of um, uh, discrepancy in readings and where i suspect some um, drug incompliance or when patients do not believe that they have hypertension and when there are these instances where there is a sudden change of readings or what not then in in them i would definitely suggest uh so not for everyone but probably most of them would uh, recommend then pros and cons of these things um, again uh, some they get a bit obsessive they keep recording the blood pressure every now and then and sometimes those uh, every gadget has its own uh, issues so sometimes you have very strange abnormal readings and uh, they tend to react and they get panicky so that i think is the cons um, pros definitely will make you better understand their hypertension uh, and uh, helps you titrate the drugs and know their hypertension status better so i would see more advantages but cons are 
very tiny if i have to say regarding the make of uh, bp machine which i prefer uh, omron is company which uh, is quite uh, popular in these digital bp apparatus and there are many models of omron and i believe that is a bit standard in terms of this digital bp apparatus so i would suggest them to take one of those omron uh, devices i really don't know many of the other brands the one that i use in my opd practice uh, practice is one by uh, sarka uh, which uh, again has some cs uh, re- recommendation so i use that in my opd and um, other than that these are the only two companies that i uh, know of i think there is one website which tries to tell you about these machines which are available which you can look into it i don't uh, recollect at this point of time but um, uh, i would uh, someone who is keen on uh, knowing these standards and what not i would suggest them that to a website and go through it and uh, try to get that uh, uh, bp machine from that uh, website and get them if it is available <clears throat> so these are the questions anu these are the answers from your questions Thank you so much, Pranit. That's a good starting point, and uh, I'll just uh, revert to you with few things that you mentioned. When I was in my residency, I started with this thought of white coat hypertension, and somewhere in the middle of the residency, I was told, which now I believe, that there is nothing called white coat hypertension. The idea here is if the stress of coming to the hospital itself. gets the patient's blood pressure so high then it is pretty much assumed that that level of stress the patient gets at their home or at their workplace probably 10 20 times a day which means that 10 20 times a day their blood pressure is actually going that high and uh, in that case we can't just take hospital as a stressor in a, in isolation these patients either they need to do stress management or they need to um or they need to take care of their bl- blood pressure and many of the times when we do ambulatory bp recording on this we we end up uh, finding that these patients they do have high blood pressure at home it is just that they have never been checked the second point that you mentioned about uh, the online uh, website so praveen just put it in the chat box the website is called stridebp.org this is a website that is managed by uk uh, i don't think it's a government website i think it's an ngo setup where they have got uh, patient education uh, brochures pamphlets and uh, they have got a list of certified um, machines along with the brand name and their model numbers a lot of them are not available in india but a few of those model numbers are available in india and uh, that's a good repository for people to go and look into if they want to actively prescribe a digital machine to their patients or for that matter if they want to use it for their own um, clinic so having said that i'm going to continue my discussion and i'll have dr shankar uh, give his thought he's a general physician and, and and i think that our today's discussion is most pertinent to him sir few questions that i want you to answer along with today's discussion point and you can skip whatever pranith has already mentioned in terms of the tips and tricks that pranith has mentioned already that you can skip and you can add your own little tips and tricks 
But my question to you are, number one, is my belief that white coat hypertension doesn't exist? Is, is my belief correct? That is one, what is your thought on it? And second, uh, should doctors in their OPD use a digital machine for blood pressure check or should we be using the old school mercury manometer? What do you think our idea should be? But before that, please address the discussion points for today and then maybe you can answer these two questions later on. Shankar, sir. Okay, good evening to all. Uh, we, whenever uh, we come across a patient uh, with the elevated uh, uh, blood pressure, if it is if he is referred or if he is found in our office, then uh, uh, I go with the only electronic uh, BP apparatus only, automated, uh, because uh, by 2025 our uh, central government has agreed with the, all the nations in the world that uh, we should abandon uh, use of usage of mercury. Uh, so in any form, so that's why uh, we are supposed to use only uh, uh, automated uh, BP apparatuses only. Uh, at the same time, uh, I use uh, uh, MicroLife Watch BP. Uh, this is uh, uh, apparatus is cost about five thousand in the market. Uh, so this uh, automatically records. Uh, three readings uh, with one minute apart and gives average uh, of the reading. So uh, this is an automated one. This is known as AOBP. Uh, that and another non-AOBP apparatus also we regularly use uh, that is given to our staff. Uh, so where uh, only single reading will come. So, um, he will record, he or she will record for three times with one or two, one to two minutes apart. And the first reading will be discarded and the second and third will be averaged. And uh, that uh, reading will be sent to me. Uh, this is, uh, see, once uh, this AOBP or non-AOBP uh, machine records, if it is more than 135 by 85 or 140 by 90 respectively, then I suggest patient should undergo preferably ABPM, which is a gold standard, but it's not affordable and it is not available freely. And it's a costly affair. Uh, so in, uh, in certain uh, complicated situations, complex situations where we come across masked hypertension or night dippers, uh, whether they are extreme dippers or non-dippers. In, in that situation, where the patient is prone for uh, cardiovascular uh, events or stroke, uh, susceptibility is there, then we subject them for ABPM. At least every hypertensive patient should undergo ABPM at least once in the beginning. Uh, this is my thought. And uh, then uh, I do, uh, he, I've got a, three machines with me. They are, uh, uh, they don't uh, reveal the uh, data. 
to the patient so i tell him how to record uh, that uh, fleet uh, flat and the support back supported and arm uh, the level of the heart and so all the what uh, dr pranith uh, uh, enumerated or alluded to uh, we follow and five minutes uh, rest should be there before recording and uh, preferably be in the isolated room and uh, he or she should not consume coffee uh, they should not smoke for at least 30 minutes before the recording or two hours uh, at least a heavy meal then uh, seated position back supported arm supported on the at the level of the mid sternal level at the heart level and the feet feet flat on the floor then uh, you should not watch the tv you should not uh, talk to the talk to anybody you should be calm and quiet then uh, uh, you should record uh, twice so every record will be average of 3 Uh, so two readings you should take in the morning uh, preferably at the same same time every day uh, two readings in the morning two readings in the night evening preferably 6 to 10 so all together there will be 28 readings in his logbook first day we discard the uh, readings so we'll get this 26 uh, 20 uh, 24 readings so average of these 24 readings will will uh, note down so patient will come bring back the machine with the, to me then uh, with the computer support uh, there will be software there and uh, with the computer support i'll get a uh, reading average and every day what was the reading because this was not displayed to the patient because he will be uh, very much uh, undergo apprehension or fear or anxiety that's why the data will not be revealed to him during when uh, machine is with him then uh, after going through the computer report and uh, will come out and if that average bp if it is more than 135 by 85 it is almost it is equivalent to the readings of abpm if it is more than 135 by 85 i treat i consider him as hypertensive and either for non pharmacological or pharmacological treatment we will start uh, this is my approach because i have been um, a part of uh, india heart study which is a large uh, study done on uh, entire india uh, so i am fortunate enough to be a participant in this uh, group so uh, this is what we did uh, during that study uh, this has been published in many of the journals also international journals uh, the data and all so this is my so if uh, if it is uh, less than 135 by 85 the elevated reading first he had was only it is a white coat effect i still believe that white coat effect and masked hypertension and dippers and all these things we should remember the terminology white coat effect uh, that is because of uh, anxiety uh, because uh, apprehension to the surroundings fear 
uh, fear of surroundings so all these things so they definitely they elevate the bp of his bp uh, that's why we encourage uh, home uh, blood pressure monitoring and uh, one more advantage actually patient should looking at the bp apparatus he feels happy and preferably it should be on the dining table or on his uh, writing table uh, whenever time permits he will go through and if the readings are high definitely will adhere to the drug regimen or uh, lifestyle uh, measures he will uh, strictly follow so this is an advantages actually uh, keeping uh, bp apparatus with us uh, i encourage everybody Uh, every hypertensive patient should buy a home blood pressure monitoring apparatus preferably microlife watch b bp or omron uh, uh, there is one model hem 5001 model is there uh, that can be uh, ideal where you need not uh, record every uh, three times in not record that itself records three times and gives average uh so this is uh, what i want to tell and then uh, i will add as uh, attendees uh, they give their opinion thank you thank you so much sir and uh, what pranit said about uh, the karka machine and what uh, shankar sir mentioned about the microlife they both are the same just so that in case if anybody is wondering microlife is the original manufacturer if i if i get it correct and karka is their indian i believe they are the one who are either rebranding it or importing it or what not every microlife machine has got eris life sciences labeled onto it eris life sciences is the same pharmaceutical company that comes to you with their medications and what not so i believe they are the exclusive importers of microlife and omron and microlife are the two machines which they stride bp uh has got listed which is available in india i have uh, i have shared that link on the chat box for anybody to to go through let me ask uh, my attendees uh, for their opinion dr praveen nagula is with us praveen could you please unmute yourself and share your thoughts about today's discussion uh, good evening sir uh, uh, regarding the uh, present uh, today's case discussion uh, everything uh, has been mentioned but uh, um, my considerations uh, regarding this patient would be is uh, she should be uh, having self monitoring of uh, blood pressure at her home and uh, whatever the measures that has been uh, already enumerated that is fine uh, now if a patient of hypertension is there the self monitoring of blood pressure can be advised provided uh, the readings of the patient at uh, you, uh, each visit with you is what you call the blood pressure being more than 150 and uh, diastolic being 100 why this uh, consideration is being done is uh, those patients who are having a slightly elevated blood pressure if they on regularly monitor and do uh, uh, they will be having an apprehension uh that uh, what you call the psychological uh, uh they will be going into a psychological stress and all that so, uh, compared to that of patients who are having persistent high reading and uh, who are not compliant and all that compared to those patients uh, these patients will be in those aspects 
so for me uh, regarding this patient she needs uh, a strict self monitoring of uh, blood pressure provided uh, at least two readings in a day <clears throat> and uh, as the uh, recommendation said that she should be uh, taking rest having back rest and all that and uh, for me sir uh, white coat hypertension does exist uh provided the what you call the fluctuation of blood pressure at each visit is just between uh what you call 140 to 150 and all that the borderline one not uh, a patient who is having a blood pressure of 180 100 um, and uh, subsequently is having a normal not uh, those patient that patient we can consider as level but uh, the for the borderline elevation of pressure still we can consider that patient to be having a white coat effect because of uh, so and so factors that uh, patient might be first uh, initially visiting the hospital and all that and uh, regarding the other thing uh, the uh, of course sir because the uh, as recommended uh, uh, electronic uh, bp monitor should be uh, given there are wide varieties and uh, uh, available uh, Uh, they can check in the stride bp dot the other thing sir uh, uh, how whether it will be uh, beneficial to the patient or not the uh, hello yeah pravin we lost you just for 5 seconds please continue yes sir Uh, whether they will be beneficial or not uh, the particular subset of patients which will be more beneficial regarding the self monitoring of blood pressure uh, it would be those patients who are ckd who are having elevated blood pressure and uh, those having a what you call uh, rapid fluctuations in blood pressure that would help uh, the treating physician uh, to titrate the drugs uh, accordingly uh i would emphasize the what you call uh, large data that has been published on uh, self monitoring of blood pressure uh, by the oxford university the that is called as uh, telemonitoring and self management in the control of uh, hypertension study they have seen that uh, just uh, self monitoring of blood pressure is not beneficial but uh, intensive uh co intervention should be done just like uh, that uh, after uh, getting the readings as uh, dr shankar sir has said that we have to interpret the data and we have to intervene regarding the patient uh, to upright rate or not and uh, the meta analysis has showed that simple self monitoring of blood pressure is not beneficial but uh, intervention by the uh, pharmacist or the nurse as well as the physician should be considered for effective control of blood pressure sir perfect thank you so much praveen i think one point uh, which i can take from your suggestion is uh, uh, a few points elevated blood pressure can be considered a white coat but certainly a blood pressure reading of 180 190 that you get in the opd should not be contributed uh, all to white coat hypertension let me ask uh, uh, dr gauri for her opinion i cannot see yeah, her 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 hand is up anyway and she was on my uh, next uh, call list dr gauri uh, if you could please we have we have had you before in this session but just for our um, uh, just for other attendees if you could just briefly introduce yourself what do you do and then share your thoughts about today's discussion dr gauri please 
Thank you, sir. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Anup. Uh, I'm a practicing physician um, uh, in Bangalore. I have I practice family medicine, and I also have a, a DNB degree in psychiatry as well. So, um, you know, with, with, with regard, so I, I do primarily general practice along with um, practicing um, psychiatry. And, uh, um, you know, with this particular case, there are a few things, of course, all doctors have, I mean, put out fantastic points and I do not want to repeat them. Um, two things that I do in my clinic, uh, one thing that I specifically, is I see more women, um, very commonly BP apparatus. And when we are telling people to do home monitoring, um, you know, women, they have to have clothing removed on their hand because they tend to have a blouse or a sleeve, which is long. And then they try to, and uh, it's, you know, it has to be specifically told, at least that's what I have seen because they tend to check uh, blood pressures with uh, clothing on, right, on the arm. So that's one thing that I wanted to add in terms of the, uh, you know, tips and tricks that uh, everybody else said. Uh, the other thing uh, that I do in my clinic is I never check blood pressure when the patient walks in. I usually check my blood pressure reading is always most probably at the end um, of, of uh, um, maybe, you know, towards the fag end of a consultation. Um, because I've seen that most people, you know, when they're sitting in the, in the waiting room or, or in general, the, the anxiety level is high. I also believe that there is some amount of white collar hypertension, white coat hypertension, which is there. Uh, however, not to the extent where it would become like a 180 uh, systolic, but um, it always helps for us to uh, build that rapport, you know, get into a conversation, you know, make the patient comfortable, explain them why do you need to check a blood pressure and then get it done. I have seen that that really helps at least to calm the patient down because then they realize, uh, you know, especially if it's a patient who is a new or a patient um, who you know already is somebody who's usually anxious, right? Uh, so I have, these are the two sets of patients that I would say uh, I check blood pressure later on than early uh, in my consultation. It helps in kind of getting the right number. I also believe in home monitoring, just like all doctors have said, uh, especially in a new onset uh, case of hypertension or in a case where medications have to be optimized, right? So we have increased the dose or we have done something with the medication. I usually uh, advise patients to do home monitoring because it helps us to know uh, the intervention that has been done in terms of medication, has that helped? So um, I, be I believe in that. However, specifically in patients who have anxiety, um, I tell them not to do it or either I do not advise them to buy a uh, uh, a machine because it just makes it worse. Rather, I do frequent, you know, visits to the clinic. And I usually for anxious patients, I get the nurse to do the blood pressure check, uh, rather than me doing it. And I ask them to come sometime when the doctor is not there. Um, how does that help? In, in my small practice, what I have realized is that anxious people tend to get more worked up when there are just too many things around or too many people around. Uh, but when it's just the nurse and the patient, that kind of really works well, at least in my setting. So those are the few things that I have done, which seems to work when it comes to, uh, you know, managing people with hypertension. In this particular case, though, I would 
really you know want to ask dr anu that this patient came for a routine visit after an year right and uh, was there any other hidden agenda that this patient had apart from the fact that well it was covid and it was difficult to get to a doctor but was there anything else that prompted her to like visit the doctor uh, you know after such a long time yes thank you for asking me that that question it is actually i take it to my heart the reason and it it actually is uh, you know i feel uh, i feel bad whenever this happens hmm. uh, this patient came to visit a doctor because she was due to get her annual blood test done so so i always tell the patients that you know your health is not dictated by your normal blood test but rather your encounter with a doctor but uh, in this particular situation her encounter to me was a was literally just a by by product of her visiting the hospital to get their lab test done so she actually got the lab test done first and then she came she came to meet me that was her only agenda that i could find out mm-hmm. and also because in this patient there were there were these paroxysmal headaches that you mentioned and you know she's taking tuitions and all i think it's important that we then explore uh that side of mental health and i i bring in mental health all the time because that's something very close to me and i feel that everybody needs to explore that because uh, there is something more there right like you know one is the hypertension of course but you know what are the other contributing factors there which is making it worse for her in terms of quality of life right so uh, that definitely needs some exploration more uh, in my opinion uh dr gauri i have got two questions for you and then we will move on to our other attendees number one is you mentioned about uh, specifics uh, with regard to women do you do you notice anything particularly challenging in terms of uh, women compliance with their medications or their self monitoring versus men understanding that at home women probably have more caretaker responsibilities than men is it something that is worth looking at or considering i mean though it is so cliched but the fact remains at least in the population which i i practice in and i usually see middle class upper middle class patients and in that segment also i feel women taking lesser care of themselves uh in terms of you know uh, like i skipped my medication or oh, i forgot or uh, you know things like that happen very often i think it happens with men as well but at least maybe it's because i see more women in general maybe uh, you know my, maybe my set might be you know wrong in that sense but uh, i do see women um, uh, you know compliance to medication is is poorer uh, self care is poorer in general you know but then there are of course there are a large segment who definitely take care of themselves better as well so it really depends it depends on a lot of other factors uh, for women yeah and then the second question is there are at times where after i have told a patient and i'm sure this happens with pretty much every single doctor who is attending this there are at times where we have told the patient to do self monitoring and later regret because of the overwhelming attention that the person starts giving that it starts interfering with their daily life and then this whole anxiety cycle continues and then we end up telling them to just stop checking their blood pressure but now because they see the reading they see the numbers they cannot stop checking their blood pressure they keep checking they, they keep getting anxious next thing you know is you are getting 20 readings a day and that just adds more psychological trauma to the patient 
So my question to you as a, uh, as a physician and as a mental health expert is, once we get into this kind of uh, scenario, what is the best way to get out? I don't know if you ever got into this scenario or not. I find myself once a month. How to get out of this scenario? It, it, it is so very common. It's so very common where people uh, would get in. You know, we, we advise home monitoring for a particular reason, like for, you know, but then when we advise it uh, again, as I said, you know, that's why it is so important to understand the patient before I advise that patient that you really need to buy a blood pressure monitor, right? It's okay for us to ask the patient to come to the office more often than not, maybe just to get a BP check with a nurse and not really pay for a consultation um, before I know the characteristic of this person. And I, because I do GP practice in a smaller clinic and my, my community is much smaller, you know, in, in terms of my reach, uh, I am able to understand them over a period of time as to whom, who should I ask to buy a machine versus not? And it, it takes maybe two, two or three visits to realize that this person most probably will be able to follow the instructions that I'm giving in terms of how and when and why a blood pressure should be monitored versus somebody who would, uh, you know, just overdo it and then make it worse for himself. Having said that, I've had patients who would really, you know, just have the cuff around their arm all day long, you know, I mean, to that extent, right? They, they become so paranoid about it. Um, I have had to have uh, extreme measures uh, wherein I have confiscated blood pressure apparatuses from patients, but that's because I've had a family kind of relationship with people, you know, because the whole family is my patient. So, you know, you can kind of get away with doing things like that uh, in, in a family practice kind of a thing, but I'm not sure if that can happen in a, in a hospital practice. I'm unsure of that. But I have done that. I have told people, you know what, I'm going to take away your blood pressure monitor and we are going to work around this. You can talk to me anytime. You can walk into my chamber every day and we can discuss, we can have a conversation around your anxiety, but let us not have you, you know, just, just, you know, asking them to leave that whole turkey. I have done that with uh, two patients that I know of. Yes. Thank you so much, Dr. Gauri. I'm going to uh, ask Dr. Murthy for his opinion. Uh, Dr. Murthy, I hope you are able to uh, follow the discussion that has been happening for the past 40 minutes. If you could unmute yourself and share your thoughts about today's topic. And I also want to remind all the attendees that if, if any one of you have got anything to add, just raise your hand and I'll call upon your name. Uh, Dr. Murthy, if you could please unmute yourself and share your thoughts. Thank you, Dr. Anup. Uh, I think all of, all of them spoke about uh, daily monitoring of the blood pressure and uh, uh, confirming it uh, whether uh, and it and then whether they should take uh, treatment and non-treatment whether it is under control or not. It, if it is uh, self-monitored, it is good. But in this particular patient, I think he, he, she had a frequent headache with a blood pressure of 180 by 110, which she recorded. I think uh, she needs further investigation to decide whether she is having secondary hypertension. That's only my suggestion. But as of all the things, I act, I agree with others who have whatever is being told. Thank you. Thank you so much, Murthy, sir. And uh, while rest of my attendees uh, gather their thoughts or questions or comments for this uh, for today's discussion. May I ask uh, Dr. Somaraju for his opinion and his uh, uh, thoughts about today's uh, session while we continue? 
our discussion for the next 12, 13 minutes. Dr. Somaraju, if I could please have your thoughts on today's discussion. Uh, thank you, Anup. Uh, uh, I tend to agree with uh, a lot of uh, <coughs> issues already brought out by uh, a lot of uh, <coughs> colleagues. And uh, while I say this, uh, I just wanted to tell you one of the least reliable uh, <coughs> say parameter both in inpatient and outpatient in today's practice of medicine is blood pressure recorded in the cashiers in the IP and OP both. The reasons are the people who measure the blood pressure, they don't have the skills and uh, they, don't, they were never trained to do it properly. That applies to mostly the nurses uh, who are asked to do it. Generally, most nurses take the blood pressure. They typically, in the round, the doctors, uh, consultants, and uh, the doctors and the people uh, in the IP team, they don't measure the blood pressure themselves. <clears throat> and in uh, outpatient, typically in uh, one uh, corner, a uh, lot of halabila uh, goes on, and then one of the nurses. So generally, a junior nurse will be there to take the blood pressure. Again, it's unreliable. The consultant or the doctors involved, they don't take the blood pressure themselves. And uh, this is the least reliable aspect of what we practice. Then uh, having said that, uh, 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 the apparatuses we use in the hospitals and outpatients. And uh, we had done... Uh, uh, <coughs> We had done uh, one uh, survey once in, in one of the, my previous hospitals I worked. 40% uh, of blood pressure apparatuses that were available were non-functional and uh, difficult to measure blood pressure till blood pressures are entered. So that's what I want to say. That is the status of what we do, what we practice. There are a lot of specialists today uh, uh, <clears throat> they don't, uh, not even, nobody takes the blood pressure, even if the patient is admitted or even if the patient came to outpatient. That is the status of our blood pressure measurement as of now. Uh, rest of it, I agree with a lot of things that are said. Thank you so much, sir. And, uh, you know, I will play a little bit of devil's advocate for this uh, thought of yours. And then I will uh, invite your opinion onto this. So I remember Barack Obama once saying that uh, American citizens, they complain that why our products are not of good quality and why our products are all made in China. The fact of the matter is the way economy is going, uh, forget about products that will be made in America anymore because of the economic considerations. You learn to live with uh, products which are made in China. And we just try to see how we can make it better rather than hoping for America to start production again, like what it was doing 50, 70 years ago uh, after the Industrial Revolution. Uh, I'm quoting this example because when I came to India, I was uh, amazed to see, uh, at least in few centers, amazed to see nurses and doctors taking the vitals of the patient because in my entire training in, in US, even in big university hospitals, we used to have a subordinate of nurse. We used to call them LDAs. Uh, they were subordinate to nurses whose job was to take the vitals and doctors would take the vital only if they had to reconfirm something. So those LDAs, they literally, they were 
offloading the nurses by taking over the vitals assessment. And because their job was only to take vital assessment, they were trained and retrained. And now just by the virtue of them doing the same work again and again, with a little bit of supervision, they have now mastered the so-called taking vitals and, and whatnot. Uh, in, in our scenario where uh, nurses and doctors who are at least put in a position to take uh, blood pressure or take vitals, and then we land into scenarios like you mentioned where the quality control becomes an issue, people don't pay too much attention or time or whatnot. It's almost like we are trying to get America back into production. Isn't it, isn't it better where we also imbibe upon and not trying to copy uh, the Western world, but imbibe upon a situation where we, or a scenario where we accept that vitals taken by doctors and nurses will not be accurate, not because they don't know how to do it, or maybe they, they really don't know how to do it, but also because of the logistic scenario. And rather than that, we do have subordinates placed all over the hospitals and in IOP as well. And we train them how to properly take vitals and their main job is to take vitals. Do you think, sir, something like this is even imaginable or you think I'm taking too much out of doctors or nurses? Hands? I'm only saying the present status. What is important is uh, um, two important aspects is train the, train the nurses and train the doctors themselves and uh, who do these things. And then uh, that will be reliable. And also uh, check on the quality of the uh, measurements we make and quality of the machines we use. And I don't agree that you should do away with uh, mercury manometers. Uh, you, you should have the, all the other uh, apparatuses that you many of you suggested. They are extremely useful, both in uh, outpatient, inpatient, as well as patients' homes. But mercury manometer is not dispensable. That is the most reliable apparatus. The mercury poisoning is overrated. And uh, I am quoting from, uh, say, the blood pressure uh, measurements as they are done in hospitals, apart from our personal experience. The hypertension monograph of Brownwald's, uh, uh, one of the Brownwald's uh, additional uh, uh, books that are published. Uh, this is uh, a worldwide experience of uh, improper measurement of blood pressure, a lack of adequate skills, and then uh, the, <clears throat> the gold standard is still a mercury manometer. We have to, from time to time, uh, say, uh, reassess our, uh, whatever apparatus we use with the mercury manometers. We, we need to have a, a facility and equipment. How, how to test uh, a, a BP apparatus, whether it's working well or not, the standard BP apparatus. And there are special machines available, special connections available, etc. Thank you. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, yeah, I remember in the villages, and I believe still it happens, uh, that in villages, if patients turn up and if doctors don't take blood pressure measurement with a mercury manometer, they don't, the patient don't feel satisfied. A doctor has to, has to auscultate the patient and has to take a blood pressure with a mercury manometer. That's kind of the old school uh, quintessential doctor's 
uh, magic touch to the patient, which still exists in a part of uh, smaller towns. Uh, I agree with you that getting, uh, getting rid of mercury manometer may not be that easy of a task. Uh, we are a few minutes into, okay, Dr. Shankar, your hand is up. Please, please go ahead. Uh, yeah. One more thing uh, we should remember, sir, that is a correct cuff size. This is quite important uh, because uh, the width of the bladder in the cuff should be 40% for the arm circumference and the length should be 80% of the arm circumference. This, uh, this should be there to record a proper BP. So if the bladder is too small, we undercuffing is there, then overestimation of the BP. If the bladder is too large also, there will be overcuffing and underestimation of the BP. But this has to be remembered because so we should have three or four types of sizes of cuffs should be there. The pediatric, uh, uh, the average adult, the thin built and the large cuff. And even uh, earlier we discussed it, even the thigh, uh, thigh cuff also. So uh, this should be remembered because uh, the miscuffing is also a major uh, uh, fault in uh, uh, recording the blood pressure. And one more thing uh, is a suggestion or uh, I want to get it clarified from the August audience. The patient, whenever a patient comes with the irregular cardiac rhythm, uh, atrial fibrillation or frequent uh, premature ventricular contractions, then uh, uh, definitely, as uh, Dr. Somraj has told, I go for uh, mercury manometer only in this uh, uh, recording because most of the times uh, my AOBPs or non-AOBPs that uh, BP apparatuses, uh, they show error. Uh, in that situation, I go for uh, mercury manometer only to record uh, and uh, I record uh, three to five times and uh, make it average and uh, give uh, reading in that uh, situation. Uh, but uh, uh, sometimes uh, even uh, the, the electronic BP apparatus also gives uh, uh, a signal that a patient has got uh, some irregular hearts, heartbeats. Just like, just like in the, even in the mercury manometer also, while recording Korotko sounds also, we, we can uh, find out uh, whether the patient is having uh, missed beats or uh, atrial fibrillation or something. So likewise also, even in the electronic apparatus also, it gives alarm that a patient is having some irregular heart. Suppose if it is not shown uh, error. Uh, so this is uh, what I have seen in my practice. Uh, I go for mercury or sometimes uh, uh, if, if it is recorded, I record uh, with the B electronic BP apparatus so more readings. I take more readings and average it. Perfect. Thank you so much, sir. I think the two points that you mentioned, they are extremely, extremely valuable. And uh, sometimes we don't discuss particularly the second point. The, the cup size, obviously, it's very important. Most of the, most of the people, uh, they use uh, Omron machine or the patients, they use Omron machine. The gray cuff in that is the smaller one and the black cuff is the one which is the larger or the universal cuff. So 
while I tell my patients to buy any machine, I tell them to buy the machine which has got the universal cuff that goes up to 42 centimeters. So the routine cuff, the size range is 22 to 32 centimeters. And the larger cuff, the size is 32 to 42 centimeters. And then there's a universal cuff which goes, which uh, spans toward through both the diameters that is 22 to 42 centimeters. So my OPD has got a 22 to 42 centimeter and uh, I tell my patients to take that universal cuff so that that fits uh, most of them, except in those patients who are really lean and thin, where you think even the smaller cuff is going to be uh, large enough. So that point- No, nope, uh, just wanted to add uh, yes, uh, one thing. Yes, sir. While uh, measuring blood pressures uh, uh, is a very common uh, uh, practice, that uh, they measure the blood pressure uh, systolic carefully and diastolic, the, mo uh, the moment the AT is reached, they take away the stethoscope and they don't measure the blood pressure lower than 80. That's very common uh, occurrence uh, across. It is very important, particularly in elderly people, that the diastolic pressures have to be recorded carefully. If uh, diastolic pressure is less than 70, the treatment of hypertension, uh, the aggressiveness with which you pursue treatment has to be, uh, uh, say, affected by, has to be influenced by the diastolic pressure. Less than 70 blood pressure will be positively dangerous, particularly in elderly people with diminished organ perfusions and diminished uh, uh, circulatory efficiencies, etc. and uh, uh, don't take away the stethoscope the moment you reach 80. Go on recording until you record appropriate diastolic pressure. Less than 70, you must modify your treatment. Uh, you should not be aggressive in bringing down the blood pressures when the diastolic pressures are less than 70, particularly in elderly people. Thank you so much, sir. You mentioned about uh, people taking the stethoscope away. I share my personal experience in one of the small towns, small center that I was practicing. It was a cardiology heavy center with about 50 bedded hospitals. So not that small of a center. There, one of the nurses, she told me that she had been taught and please mind me, this is what she said that she has been taught to measure the systolic blood pressure and subtract 40 from it and take it as a diastolic pressure and write it in the file. So every single blood pressure that she was documenting and she was teaching others to document was to measure the systolic blood pressure and subtract 40 from it and report it as diastolic. And every single file, be it ICU, be it IP or be it whatnot, was recorded in such fashion. So what you are saying, sir, is <laughs> I, can, I can at least in my short venture, I can, I can vouch for it. Uh, these things are happening and certainly a lot more education is needed. There are two questions or three questions which are there. I'm gonna throw it up. If anybody has got an answer, please unmute yourself uh, to answer this question. Number one is, which is put up in the chat box. Is there any difference between plastic cuff and the, the fabric cuff or the cloth cuff? I don't, I don't perceive any difference. I don't think there is any, if anybody knows the difference between the two, please unmute yourself and uh, share your thought. Any difference between these two cuff? in terms of BP measurement. 
Okay, Praveen, I don't think uh, you will get that question answered. I told you my opinion. I don't think there is any difference. The second question is mercury BP apparatus with stand or foldable. Foldable is the one that we use, which is the portable and the stand one is typically what is there in, in the offices. Again, I don't perceive any difference between the two. Uh, I don't know about others. The only thing I can, I can say about the foldable machine is mercury leak. What we have been taught in our MBBS days, if I remember correctly, that all the foldable machines, their mercury tank need to be put into a switch off position every time when you fold the machine. Now we all know that we rarely do that. We all know that the machines are folded even without turning the, um, the tank off. That may lead to mercury leak. Whether that will lead to a change in blood pressure measurement, I don't know. And I hope if there is anybody in the audience who knows if there is any difference between the two, maybe they can shed the lights on. Uh, I personally do not know any difference between the accuracy of the measurement. And the third question that I have is, uh, many of the times when patients, they are doing home monitoring, uh, because they are not aware of the circadian rhythm fluctuation or the general fluctuation of the blood pressure, they often read changes in their blood pressure as an abnormal fluctuation. So if their blood pressure at some point is 110 and the other point is 130, and I'm talking systolic, they get anxious or they report to their doctor saying that my blood pressure is fluctuating too much and it's going from 110 to 130 or 120 to 140. And that adds an element of concern and that adds, adds an element of uh, thought that my, my blood pressure is abnormal or is not controlled. Other than educating patients that these kind of fluctuations are normal finding, is there anything that any of the attendees do in these kind of situations? What is what is a normal acceptable fluctuation for you? Is 20, 30 millimeters enough or a patient who has got more than that, you consider it as pathological fluctuation? Is there something, is there something like a pathological fluctuation? Anybody can share their thoughts about this? I'm sure you have you have heard a patient who said my blood pressure fluctuates a lot or my pulse rate fluctuates a lot. How do you deal with it? Anyone? Praneet, have you ever encountered such, such scenario where patient comes and tells you that my blood pressure or pulse is fluctuating? Uh, yes, I know. So that is there. That was what one of the cons which you were telling about uh, BPI apparatus that it's uh, some feel it is a toy and they keep playing around and they keep uh, recording. And once you have so much of uh, data now and they keep uh, analytics on that data and they try to see uh, that it is fluctuating more and the BP is uh, <laughs> high, but uh, they, they believe it to be standard 120-80, which is an issue. So uh, just like everything, uh, this also needs to be educated and over a period of time, they tend to know. Regarding answering your question on how much will you take it as a consideration? Uh, like once in a while, it can be high, uh, even uh, 30 to 50 sometimes can be high, but uh, that is where the trend of blood pressure is what uh, makes it a bit easy to interpret, where on one particular day, if you are stressful or you had some issue and your pressure is high, and even if your blood pressure shoots up to 50, it's okay, versus uh, if it is consistently high, uh, then you try to uh, react to it, or else most most of the time reassurance and uh, educating them should uh, be okay. 
Uh, Anup, uh, I just wanted to add here that uh, fluctuation in blood pressure, you must counsel the patients that all biological values fluctuate. If they don't fluctuate, it is not normal. That's number one. Number two, uh, if there is significant fluctuation, it is too high, look for uh, various other possibilities of uh, spacing of drugs, timing of drugs, obstructive sleep apnea, etc. Perfect. Thank you so much, sir. I think that whenever that uh, shooting, whenever the blood pressure shoots, we do have to look for situational increase. And of course, if it is particular time of the day, then we should look for other precipitating causes like sleep apnea and whatnot. The last question which has been put on the chat box, I will answer that question. Uh, and then we will close the session. We are already nine minutes past. So Praveen asks, mercury BP apparatus stand, how to keep the apparatus at heart level when the machine is at a stand? So how to do that? But uh, where um, the foldable apparatus, it will be easy to keep it at the heart level versus the one which is on the stand, how to keep it at the heart level. So Praveen, and please correct me, anyone, please correct me if I'm wrong. The heart level requirement is of the cuff, not of the machine. So cuff needs to be wrapped at a place uh, at, the, at the position of the arm, which is at the heart level. The machine does not need to be at the heart level. Machine can be anywhere. Machine can be down, up, below, anywhere. It is the cuff that needs to be at the heart level. Uh, am, I, am I correct in interpreting this? Is there, is there any second opinion in the, in the group? Shankar, sir? Uh, the, as you said, it is correct. Cough or the, the bladder in the cuff, it should be at that level of the heart or mid-sternal level. But uh, the, when we are uh, recording the BP in the mercury apparatus, that level should be at the, uh, it is uh, uh, at the level of the eyes because to avoid the parallax error. Suppose if we see from uh, uh, down upwards, then it will be different. So to avoid the parallax error, the level should be at the level of the eyes. Uh, that is, that is a standard teaching that is. Uh, but uh, regarding the uh, electronic vapor apparatus, it can be kept anywhere. Uh, and one more thing is, uh, this is an explanation only. Only to avoid the parallax error, uh, but it need not be at the heart level. Uh, BP apparatus need not be at the heart level. It can be, as you said, it can be uh, any level, but the only thing is when we are uh, looking at the mercury level, uh, then uh, uh, sometimes uh, the, uh, the uh, oscillations of the mercury, uh, we see, uh, Dr. Somarazu sir knows better that the uh, blood pressure, uh, spigma manometer uh, paradoxes. Perfect. Thank you so much, sir. Uh, Samaraju, sir, is it, am I saying it correct? Is it correct that the mercury, the apparatus itself should not, does not need to be at the heart level, only the cuff? Am I reading it correct or I had, no, a, I had a wrong? The, the mercury apparatus uh, have to be at the heart level also. It's important. Mercury apparatus also should be at the heart level. Yeah. Okay. 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 So, Praveen, in that case, I believe if you have a if you have a mercury apparatus which is on the stand, then we will have to do something to get the stand uh, up to the heart level. I believe. So, your point is absolutely well taken. 
I just never thought that the machine also needs to be at the heart level. Okay, we are we are 12 minutes out. Praneet, quick closing comments, and then we will be done with today's session. Yeah, one of the uh, commonest issues of uh, clinical practice uh, hypertension, and the one of the vital parameters, recording of blood pressure, and uh, most majority of the treatment uh, based on this one vital parameter and its importance of measurement has been very well uh, discussed. The importance of self-monitoring has also been highlighted with various uh, tips and tricks uh, highlighted by many of them. And um, so these things definitely should be brought into clinical practice and each and every patient uh, uh, with hypertension should be educated of hypertension and uh, the importance of self-monitoring uh, at home uh, should be highlighted and uh, they should be educated. Perfect. Thank you, Praneet. And I thank all of you for joining me in today's session. Uh, all the sessions are recorded and uh, I keep periodically uploading them on YouTube and podcast. You should be able to take a look. Also, we have a WhatsApp group where we interact offline about the topics that we have discussed already in the, uh, in the huddle. We do this every Wednesday at seven o'clock and the same link that you click this time to join should work for the next session as well. I thank you all for sparing your time in today's discussion and this valuable and important topic. If you do have a topic that you think we should discuss in our future huddle sessions, please uh, share that on the huddle WhatsApp group, or you can simply just uh, uh, message me as well. Then we will try to include that in our future discussion. Thank you all. Good night. We'll see you next Wednesday.